Hello and welcome to episode three of Life in General. Uh, my name is Nick. I'm Ian. And uh, originally we were going to talk about something a little lighter today, but uh, with everything going on the past couple of weeks, we figured that uh, we could probably talk about some stuff going on with our own government here. It's been quite a quite a couple of weeks. That it has. I guess we can kind of start from the beginning. I know we touched on a little bit uh, last episode, which was the um, the executive order he laid out for the uh, Affordable Care Act. It was called uh, Minimizing the Economic Burden of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act Pending Appe- Repeal. And if I, the way I read it, it was the uh, the economic impact on the government itself. Or maybe I was just reading into that a little bit more than I should have. Basically, the way I kind of read it is to interpret regulations as loosely as possible to minimize the financial burdens on individuals, insurers, health care providers, and others. Yeah, that's pretty vague. Yeah, which I don't think it really does anything. It doesn't. I mean, it and it does absolutely nothing. I mean, I think it sounds good to the people that want the ACA repealed, um, but long term, I mean, I don't really think it has much. You know, it's vague. it was it was it's a, vague and doesn't have any teeth to really. do It was anything. a gesture. Yeah, it was a, it was a gesture. He said he was going to do something on day one, and he did something on day one. Yeah, I mean the the ACA was passed through Congress, so obviously he can't do anything through executive an, order yeah, an EO that's going to you know overturn anything. And Congress doesn't know what the hell to do anyway. They have nothing to no uh, replace. I don't, they're not even talking about repealing anymore. They're talking about repairing. The, repairing, which, you know what? I've said for six years that it needed to be fixed. Of there, course. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of holes in it. You know, it it was kind of a poorly written law, I think, for as big as it was. Well, and ultimately it it, it set out to, to bring extremely poor people into the healthcare system, into the insur- insurance system. Which is a good system, thing. I mean, which is an absolute good thing. But it did it kind of at the expense of the middle class, lower middle class even, and that was my biggest problem with yeah. it. So, if they can fix that, fine. But I, I honestly don't believe they will. You know, I, I don't know. It's I, I know Trump has made comments before about wanting to insure everyone, but right. I, I, I think that's kind of a pipe dream. It, well, I mean, if he wants to do a universal health care, I'll let him. I'm, I'm happy his, with that. A single-payer system's fine with party, me. His own party won't let him. No. No, of course not. Although, I start to wonder how much control they really have over him. Beyond, you know, the, the branches of the government, for right now. You know, I think that's probably something that drew a lot of people to him, was the fact that they thought he wouldn't be one of those typical politicians that's going to listen to all of his people around him. He's going to yeah. do what he wants to do. and Yeah, but he, as, he starts to be a politician who listens to the people, and I don't see him doing much of that at all. No. Not at all. But then again, the Republicans haven't been listening to the people for 10 years. Yes and no. I mean... The majority of the country was for some kind of health care reform. President Obama tried to put through health care reform, and they were against it. And I know, well, I understand that well, they were being see, obstructionist they, to him, they, but... They, they, the Republicans were against it, but it was their own plan. For, I mean, Bob, that was Bob Dole's plan. In, right. Well, well in, Mitt Romney, in, didn't in, he institute in the, the same thing in, in Massachusetts when he was yes. governor? So, yeah. I mean, but I but, know they but, were just being obstructionist. Yes, that's exactly it. Because the Affordable Care Act you know, in, in its original form was a Heritage Foundation plan that 
put was try you know that the Republicans tried to push through. Obviously, they weren't able to do anything with it. So when President Obama takes office, they try to do something because they had, you know, a supermajority in the right a Senate mandate for you know what, and a mandate from the people fifty some days that they had to do it. They they, they pushed it through with you know, with no Republican support at all. Completely yeah. obstructed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess there's not much to really talk about on that one, really, because. As I said, he he said he was going to do something on day one. He did it. He did it. Did it. it, it, it was, I don't think it really meant a whole hill of beans. But it, it meant absolutely nothing. It was strictly a gesture. Um, but what he did a couple of days later, I think, had a, a much bigger impact. Um, I don't think it was an executive order. I think it was just a memorandum. He, he did, but it was uh, the withdrawal from the TPP. Right. Yeah, that, I, think I think that was a memorandum. Which I think will have a much longer lasting impact. Well, and it's it's good. I don't. I have. I know that. I don't know that much about it. But any any correlation to to NAFTA or any any kind of thing that we would give up, as we did with NAFTA, it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I'm not an economist, so I'm not going to begin to try to analyze it. Whatever it is, but yeah, um, NAFTA was a bad plan. It was a bad idea. TPP just seems more of the same on the much other side. On a, bi- on a bigger scale. On a much bigger scale, exactly. Yeah, on a much bigger scale. Because yeah. it included Australia, Japan, uh, Canada. Was Canada in it? Canada was, it was listed. I can't remember any of the other ones. There was, a, I think, five or six listed. China was involved in it too, weren't they, or no? Possibly. I know Japan for sure, and I know Australia, and I know Canada. Those were the yeah. three that I remember seeing. But, you know, it wasn't... I, I think I, I say it could have a, a long lasting impact, but you know it was still a largely symbolic move because it was never officially enacted. You know there was no vote on it. Right. You know it was never signed. So and I know they're still talking about putting the TPP together without the United States, but without one of the largest economies in the world, it's not going to really. It's not going to do much. No. No. Although I mean, if China is on board. It helps because they they're the second largest economy in the world. Yeah, but it, it you know it still hurts the United States. Whenever you enter into a trade agreement where your lower wage you know employees in the country are making what seven fifty an hour here in the states. Yeah, yeah. Well, minimum wage is a little higher than that. Is it nationally well, average on a national average? But yeah, not we're not talking but, about much. So you're still talking you know seven eight dollars eight dollars an, an hour probably be more. And accurate. then you're going to enter into a trade deal where the people over there are making, you know, 25 cents a day. So it's obviously going to be slanted towards those countries. Of course. Because if you're a big business and you're looking at, okay, well, I'm going to have to pay my employees X amount of dollars here, plus benefits, plus everything I have to pay for environmental regulations and everything else. And I can go to country X over here and pay virtually nothing compared to it. Obviously... And, and it's not going to change the price of your product. You're obviously yeah, gonna, it never does. No, you're going to move your business there. That's why, you know, we lost a lot of business. I think to to Mexico. You know, after NAFTA. after NAFTA. Yeah. Well, anything they can do to to um, at the very least renegotiate that. But again, I renegotiate what NAFTA? No TPP. I know he's talking oh. about. We can get to that too. NAFTA. He's talking about renegotiating NAFTA yeah. as well. But. Um, I mean, if they want us to be a part of the TPP, there, there has nah, to be there I, has I, to be a set standard for for wage, a wage yeah. standard. And there's we not, can't even agree on a wage standard in this country, much less yeah, state, worldwide. State to state, city to city. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, there was uh, I don't know what states 
did it. But there was a couple of states that passed laws this past, well, towards the end of 2016, stating that cities couldn't raise the minimum wage. Cities beyond the state minimum. Beyond the state minimum. I know that I know the Constitution allows for state sovereignty. I don't know how that works for sit for city and and township sovereignty. Mm. I guess that would probably depend on the state's constitution. Yeah. I guess that's why San Francisco is pretty lucky to be in California. Yeah. Because I think their minimum wage is fifteen dollars an hour officially. Um, now. I think San Francisco is like twelve something. I, I well, it might be. Um, it might be. I, I, I don't have the Seattle numbers. Seattle so. raised it to fifteen. Okay. And that's well, that's um, Washington State. Yeah, which might as well be. California, California, I know, yeah. Um, Washington State had legalized marijuana before California, actually, I think. California still doesn't. Well, medical. Oh, yeah. Medical. Yeah. You know, I, I, well, the day after he did the TPP, withdrawing from the TPP, which obviously is something I agree with. Um, right. He did the expediting environmental reviews and, a, and approvals for high-profile infrastructure projects. It seems to me like that's just a way of getting around. If, say, a a corporation wants to build a plant in this area in order to expedite, now they no longer have to look for the uh, endangered species, water water preservation. It's more more on the government side of it. It's trying to, it's it's creating, it sounds like it's trying to create more of a timeline. Okay, well, you've got X amount of days to get this done. It's not, okay, well, everything gets submitted and then we'll get back to you to approve the infrastructure deal. It's, you know, they he wants it done more in a, in a timely manner. Reduction of red tape. Yes. You know, cuz that was one of the things one of the pillars of his of his campaign was, you know, doing infrastructure projects. How does how is he going to pay for that? Well, that's kind of the whole thing. <laughs> right. Cuz he's going to cut taxes on on corporations. He's yeah. Gonna, I guess it's going to raise taxes on us, but, you know. Well, if. if it's going to have to go up somewhere. Someone's got to pay for it. Of course. Of course. Or, the uh, Well, like I said, before the election, the numbers I was saying was he wanted a flat, kind of a flat 15% tax on everyone. But anyone who makes under thirty or $40,000 a year isn't even paying 15%. No. So their taxes would go up by default. Yeah. But even at 15%, I don't see how he can pay for any of it. Yeah. Wall, any of it. No, no, no. I think everyone's taxes need to go up anyway. I think everyone has to pay more taxes. Yeah, I mean, but it should start at the top. It should. It, it should. should and it, the top it, shouldn't go down exactly. at the expense it, of the you know, at the, it, of the bottom. You know, if you're a hedge fund manager, you shouldn't be paying less in taxes than you know. Well, Warren Buffett. Yeah. Pointed out, you know, his secretary was paying more, more than ta- he was. Well, yeah. Well, not, relative, not, relatively rel- speaking. Yeah, relatively speaking. So I like to think percentage wise. Percentage wise, yeah. yeah. But, you know, you take 25% of $100 and try to live on that extra 75% and then take 25% of $100,000 yeah. and try to live on that. It's much easier to live on $100,000. So his executive order is basically saying that he wants everything expedited. He wants to be able to do infrastructure projects and he doesn't want Congress to drag their feet because they have to give him the, the, the funding for it. Yeah, but it, but it's tied in with the EPA, right? That was the first part of the sentence. No, expediting invent, uh, well environmental reviews. So yeah, I guess it does. that's what I was talking about. It's it's a way to kind of circumvent protected lands. Yeah, we, protected in, in species. He, he has a re- recurring theme through a lot of these, which yeah. are kind of vague. He has a recurring theme throughout his entire life. <laughs> um, not to be negative, but. <laughs> 
I'm obviously a lot less optimistic than I was two weeks ago. I, yeah, you yeah. Know, when we did la- the last episode, he hadn't really done anything yet, so I didn't really have anything to really go off of. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, that's gone out the window. I, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've noticed he's. Uh, I and I hate to be wrong, or I hate I hate to be hate right. To be I right, hate to be yeah. right in this situation. You know, which would have much rather have been wrong. No. And it's only been 14 days, yeah. 15 days. Yeah. yeah, a couple more years. Oh. Um, well, on the same day he did the uh, the infrastructure one, he did the all the pipeline deals. So there was three. That was, so that was the 24th. Yeah, that was. Okay. Uh, he did three on the pipe, three memorandums on pipelines. Mm-hmm. He, American Pipeline, to... Keystone XL, and Dakota Access. Yeah, it was the Dakota Pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline. He wants to kind of push through and do that. And then he also, it was a third memorandum that basically said that to build the new pipeline in the U- in the U.S., you had to use material. Made from, in the U.S., which is fine US. with me. That I don't mind. But how are you going to enforce that? Well, he's going to have I mean, to enforce it militarily, for, first of all, with the, with the protesters. Um, and I think he already has. There were several arrests already this week. Oh, were yeah. there? I didn't see that. Um and here's the thing, and I, I can't, I'm not I'm stating this as, as I've heard a rumor. Um, Somebody told me one time. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to play that game. But, uh, <laughs> I just pointing out that I don't have any, I don't have the backup for this. Yeah. Um, he has, it's been said that he does have some financial ties to the Dakota Pipeline really? company. That wouldn't surprise me. Is and. Now He's that being said, to, you know, he, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, he probably does, but he, the Trump organization, is so huge. I'm sure he probably has ties to just about everything out there. I understand that, but in his first week, this is on the agenda. Yeah, this was this was a this was a fight the protesters won, and he's re, he's restarted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't help but wonder what his motivations are from that. If he does have financial ties in this company to pushing this forward, and it and it seems to me that regardless of what your views are on immigrants, if you really want to break it down, Native American lands should be protected at all costs. Yeah. I mean, we've taken enough away from those people. We don't need to do any more. Yeah. And it seems to me like now he's putting he's already putting money ahead of the interests of the people. You can always His kind of, you can always kind of see I think the priorities of a, an administration when they first come in mm-hmm. because they they've been working on these I forgot what, how many I, they said that they've got like two hundred executive order potential executive orders already drafted so they've been work this is all the stuff they've been working on for the past two years right so you can see what their priorities are as soon as they come in office you know to enact all the stuff that you know they want to push through but you're completely correct you know this is the the Keystone Pipeline, Dakota Pipeline, those were all things that were done, you know. And actually, there was a I forgot the exact number, but the the company that owns the Keystone Pipeline is suing the U.S. for hundreds of millions of dollars over stopping you know the making the pipeline. But mm. you know they keep going on about this the the falsehood of you know it's going to create all these thousands of jobs. It will. For the time, you know, as long as it takes them to build that pipeline. And then when they're done building the pipeline, it's going to create about 12 jobs. Well, of course. I mean, that's that's the standard for all of these things. I mean, it's all automated. Yeah. You're just running oil through a pipeline. You need a few people to maintain the system. 
and regulate it, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, you don't need any. You don't need five thousand employees. No, no. Which I mean, so he's right. It will create some jobs in the short term, but long term, it's not going to really do a whole lot. No, that's a lot. It's a lot of Republican and, job and, plans, yes, though. I've noticed. Yes. And theoretically, you know, if you know, if you contaminate streams and rivers and all this other stuff, you know, groundwater, it's going to create a much bigger issue. Yeah, but it will well, create well, jobs in cleanup. Create, yeah, it will create jobs in cleanup. I guess that's true. That's very yeah. true. Not that anyone will survive much longer without fresh drinking water. Well, and, and the know. taxpayers will pay for it instead of, you know, the corporations. The corporations, right. So yeah, thank sense. you, BP. <laughs> Not to bring up old wounds. So I guess the next big thing that he did was uh, border security and immigration enforcement improvements. Okay. Yes. Um, which, you know, fulfilled another one of his campaign promises to immediately construct a 1,900-mile-long wall. You know, but the it's really interesting that they haven't really said how they're going to do this. How are you going to build a wall on, you know, people's private property? I have how heard that mentioned because some of the wall will go through yeah. actual. How are you going to build a wall over a very large river, which... You know, there are agreements with Mexico that you can't build on that land. So, obviously, there, it's it's a much larger issue with, you know, obviously, than just building a wall. There's and just paying of, for yeah, it, right? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. You're, I mean, how are you going to pay for it? You know, it's going to be... Well, the number I heard was that it would cost every household $120, $120 each. Which seems like small money, but when you figure in... Those of us who did not vote for Trump, mm-hmm. why should we pay for a wall that we do not believe should exist? You know, that argument's always been there, though. I know, during the Iraq War, why are we paying for a war we don't want? Right. You know, and that, you know, that kind of that well, we should, goes on, why, on both I guess sides. the question should have been, why are we paying for a war that shouldn't be happening? Well, that's a different story. But, right, indeed. You know, so both sides always play the game. We don't want to pay for this. We don't want to pay for that. Right. But the wall, the wall is... is I don't. I don't see where he's coming from because Mexico's never paying for anything. First no, of all, not. I mean, just on the on the surface issue of the cost of the wall, Mexico will never pay for it. And any taxes that are levied against Mexico are ultimately still going to come out of our our pockets as yeah. consumers. Yep. So I, he has to understand that he can't. Even if he's a bad businessman, which by all accounts he may be, he still has to understand that. The American people are still paying for this, regardless. Mm-hmm. Now, well, is this the same one that includes the the um, limiting funding to sanctuary cities no, within no, the United we'll, States? We'll, we'll, we'll get to that one. Guys, okay, that's a. I think that's a pretty big one too. But you yeah. know, this is. Uh, you know, yeah, building a wall is going to create jobs. You know, but I think it's again gonna, in the temporary, a temporary thing. But you know, if they're going to build nineteen hundred miles of a wall. I think there's only seven hundred and some. Seven or eight hundred miles of physical wall on the border right now. Um, you know, a lot of it is desert and rivers and lakes and everything. Oh, so yeah, but if you're leaving a hellhole, you don't mind crossing that, that oh, terrain. Of course. Oh, there's people that die, you know, every year trying right. to cross the border. But when you're dealing, like you said, I, I'm the the river thing is going to be very interesting. Yeah, because you can't build within X amount of miles of it. So how right. are you gonna how are you gonna do that? Right. He leaves that out of his out of his speeches, though. Well, yeah, well, I guess just, that's a politician like, thing to yeah, do, but well, still, like, you know, he says he's gonna make Mexico pay for it. Outside of that statement, 
he really doesn't say how well how was Mexico going to pay for it, right? You know, so well the, he the funding is always he came he came down to well maybe it'll be a tax maybe it'll be this. It's, well, if anything, it's going to be a tax that he levies on him. But again, it's just going to be us paying this. Someone is, in his administration said it was going to be a twenty percent tax on Mexico, and then there was a bunch of blowback from it. So they came back and said, "Oh, they walked back from it and said, well, you know, that's just one of the ideas we're floating out there." So well, because a lot of those guys have business interests within Mexico. Exactly, exactly. Um, but no, the one you were talking about uh, with sanctuary cities—that was mm-hmm. the next one. Uh, Enhancing public safety in the in the interior of the U.S., mm-hmm. which and protecting the nation from foreign terrorist entry into which is, that's a separate executive order. See the one where I saw it was like it was all. In oh no no, they're two they're two separate ones. So you got the interior and then the people coming in from the okay. is a separate one. So no, so the interior one, it's basically stating it tries to tackle the issue of undocumented immigrants. Um, in sanctuary cities, right, which where that's not there's not really enforced. No, no, no. So there's a there's a section in the immigration code called 287G, which states that if you give the 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 immigration arm of the government, so ICE can can train a police department for four weeks, and then they're able to go out and act as immigration officers. So if you Let's say you're undocumented, undocumented immigrant, and you get pulled over by, you know, your county police officer who participates in 287G. That cop can ask for your immigration papers. So the problem you run into is, so we had um, some clients when I worked in the, the immigration law office in Nashville, where we had a guy where um, he was working in, I think it was in, in North Dakota. The guy he was working for was paying him crap. Um, and then he stopped paying him for, I don't know what it was, a couple of weeks, a month or whatever. So he goes, Hey, you know, it was him and a couple other guys, all of them were undocumented living in a house up there. I don't even remember what kind of job they were doing, but it was some kind of construction work. And they said, well, you know, you're not paying us. So he goes, yeah, you're right. So he called ice on him. I don't have to pay you. So what basically what the, what the sanctuary cities are saying are, look, if you're undocumented and you're the victim of a crime. We are not going to deport you. We're not going to turn you over to ICE. You are able to come to the police and state, hey, look, this is what happened. You know, help. Um, you know, it, it just kind of relieves a lot of the issues within the city. Studies have shown it really isn't that, 287G isn't that big of a, statistically, it doesn't really create a lot of, Immigration cases, right. but it, it, you know, well, statistically, we've been at kind of a net zero as far as immigration, immigration for, for the last five years, exactly, anyway, so or we, or longer. Yeah. Um, so wherever he Trump comes up with his 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 statistics, I'd be curious to know. Um, seems to me like that that law. Well, see, that's the other thing is the the federal government cannot force state governments to act as federal. Officials, they can't they can't force them to perform federal federal law yeah, federal law enforce, enforce federal, federal law. law. So you know because that's their job for it. So then then that's why these state these states and cities have said you know what we're not going to participate in this program. You know if you want to, if it's your job to go out here and track down undocumented immigrants, then well, do it go yourself. Out there and do it yourself. Yeah. We're going to worry about the citizens in our in our city 
we're going to take care of the crime in our city. That's what we're going to focus on. You go do what you need to do. Okay, so what is this? This um, this was an executive order. It was. So what does this do? Does this it does so it, it cut funding to to cities? It, it will. So if you're a sanctuary city, he wants to cut funding to you. So now cut, funding cut, for cut what? Federal funding, cut federal funding, whatever that means. It seems it seems a bit vague and blanketed you know once again that's kind of the recurring because i would think the federal government funds many things within cities so basically they they want to force state and local governments well state and local agencies to perform the the task of you know being immigration enforcers enforcers. well it seems to me as i was going to say that that law seems to me like it's a rational humanitarian law so that people who are, whether they're here illegally or not, there's some protection for 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 people. Yeah. Well, you know the, the why why is why is that so scary to this to these people? The government has a program similar to that too. So if you're the victim of a qualifying crime, if you are the victim of, you know, if uh, your family member gets murdered, um, armed robbery, they're kidnapping. There's a list of 12 to 15 different crimes that you can qualify. That's called the U visa. And regardless of what your immigration status is, if you're the victim of these crimes, you can, if you help the police and do certain, you know, X, Y, and Z, you can get this U visa to stay in the country. Right. You're, you have protections. You're, yeah, you're, you're protected. Which seems to but, me to make more sense because it, it really targets real criminals. But the government only gives out, I don't remember how many thousand, a couple thousand U visas a year. So, Do you think that has more to do with the fact that people, even with the, these protections, aren't, ter- aren't reporting crimes? There's a lot of it that goes unreported. Uh, yeah. It seems to me like that would make, it yeah. would be. I mean, sanctuary cities, I can't imagine that being... A huge issue, even nationally. Yeah, you know, and it's not just the United States that have sanctuary cities. Right, the UK right. has it, Australia has it. There's a lot of other countries that have sanctuary cities. It's not just us, you know. But so, I mean, if they enact, if they do go after sanctuary cities and make them follow. 287G, it's obviously going to really increase deportation, which is... Well, deportation, but also increase the amount of crimes that are not being reported. Yes. Which becomes now... back to the way it was before. Well, it just opens up the the floodgates for for criminals who will take advantage of it. Of course, of course. Specifically, the drug cartels that that Trump is aiming at. Well, like I said before, it, it really allows employers who, since the 80s, have been able to employ undocumented undocumented immigrants and get away with it. It really allows those guys to really take advantage of people that are in our country. Right. Regardless of if they're here legally or legally. Well, that's what I said. It seems to me like we it's a humanitarian not, yes, thing. Yes, we should not allow people to be taken advantage of. No, not in the United States of America. But you see well, a lot of people out here talking on TV and talking on social media and all that that I, I don't think understand the 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 reasons behind sanctuary cities well no because they hear that word sanctuary and they just think that we're they're harboring fugitives yes they don't want to deport them because oh they're the they're the liberals and these are the people that vote for liberals and it's all a bunch of bullshit yeah you really have to tell me it's bullshit (laughs) coming out of anything that 
that that side is talking about right now. But you know, as far as deportations, you know, we there was this joke when I worked in immigration about Barack Obama de- being the deporter in chief, right? Because he his deport he, deportation he really, he really ramped really up deportations under his administration, and that's why we got to a net zero. You know, there's when I worked in immigration, there was a huge backlog with the immigration courts. You know, because there's a huge funding issue. The immigration the only immigration court in Tennessee was in Memphis, and they had two immigration judges. So, you know, for the whole state, for well, for the well, it covered they covered Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, parts of Illinois, um, uh, Arkansas. You know, they, were, they had more than just the state of Tennessee. So they had thousands of cases at a time that they were dealing with. So if you had a continuance in your case, it could be. 18, 24 months before you have your next hearing. Right. So there's, you know, people want to talk about cutting costs in the government, but they don't want to see, okay, well, if you want to deport more people, you're really going to have to raise money somewhere. The money's going to have to come somewhere. Come from somewhere, Because you're going to have to hire, you know, thousands of more immigration officers. You're going to have to hire hundreds of more immigration judges. You know, you're going to have to open more immigration courts. There's going to be, you know... And where are you going to get that with the funding? Right. Now, you said that a lot of um, that net zero came from Obama's deportation, but didn't it also have a lot to do with the the, the economy collapsing in 2008? That, and he did you know, drastically increase the, the number of, of border agents also. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, like you said, with the economy, you know, people come here to look for employment. Right. Yeah, they're so, not coming here for, the, for no, our hospitality So when anymore. the economy kind of tanked, yeah, obviously there was a drop-off in... In, you know, people in, in immigration, because right. the jobs just weren't there. Yeah. I mean, they weren't here for us, much less anybody no, else. No. Well, what's next on the uh, executive orders? Oh, I guess we can get into the old Muslim ban. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the Muslim ban, <laughs> which which is funny because a number of people in his in in, in his cabinet have. Use the word ban. Yes. But then they come out and say, well, it's not ban. Right. So anyway, uh, protecting the nation from foreign terrorist entry, which prevents people from coming into the country. Ah, I thought I had a list here. Uh, Prevents people from coming in from Iran, Iraq, Syria, Sudan, Libya, Yemen, and Somalia for 120 days. But Are the exclusions listed there, too? No, but it fails to... Include the states where the terrorists actually come from. It's like Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Right. Um, well, again, look at any potential financial interests Trump and or any of his people might have in Saudi Arabia. Not to mention the oil. Yeah. But it's it's but, that's where the isn't that where the nine eleven hijackers came from? The majority of them came from Saudi I think, Arabia. I think, I think five of them came from Saudi okay, Arabia. Okay. Well, yeah. it's not the majority, but still, it's them, enough. None of them came from the, any of those seven countries. Okay. Right. None of the nine eleven. So how much of that is just um, peacocking, showing his 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 strength, showing that he's willing to 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 go to these ultimately almost unconstitutional levels? Well, you know, we've never, and to my knowledge, we have never banned a group 
I take that back. We have. I guess they banned. There were times. There was a time where um, Jewish refugees were there were were, re, were rejected. Yes. Um, that was pre World War Two. Yes, but still. Oh, well, it was the beginning of World War Two. Right. Well, it not be, for us. It was though. before we got into the war. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess there. I guess there is a historical but, but precedent that was, for but it. But that was more so because there was the fear in in our government from a fringe group. That said, oh well, you know, if you let if you let these Jews in, there's going to be Nazis that come with them, and that's what they were kind of afraid of. So that's why, yeah, you're right. We did, we, you know, we stopped, you know, bringing in. Right, but again, I would even point out that uh, that period of time isn't a good representation no, of how we would want so the the thing our that, country to be the thing remembered that they've been by. pointing out is what Obama did in 2011. Which, so what happened was, there were two um, Iraqi refugees in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is where the whole Bowling Green massacre thing Right, from. right. But, well, so, imaginary massacre. Let's get this straight. It was well, an imaginary you know you massacre. You can't really hop on her too much. I understood where she was going, but she... You you can understand where she's going? Yes, because, because she was trying to reference what I was going to say. Okay, I'll let you finish that. In 2011, Bowling Green, Kentucky, there were two Iraqi um, refugees that were arrested because they were plotting a terrorist attack. Plotting? Okay. They were plotting. They didn't carry anything out. Right. Which she did eventually backtrack, backtrack and, and say. Okay. Um, so what President Obama did at the time was he said, okay, look. We're going to put a hold on people coming over from Iraq on special immigrant visas. Special immigrant visas. They were still bringing over refugees. They brought over fewer of them during the ban. But he did ban uh, the special immigrant visas. Okay. While they strengthened the vetting process for them. Okay. So once they once they said, okay, well, I think this is a good process, and then they started bringing everyone back over. So when they bring up the comparisons to what – president obama did in 2011 they're not comparing apples to apples no it seems to me like his his um what he did was more strategic and and almost um yeah what he did was, was extreme a, vetting well extreme vetting but it was a it was a precision uh ban it focused on it was very one specific type of visa yes it wasn't broad you know no, this is the trump's is very broad it's a it blanket is. it is but where i think he gets in trouble with it is when he makes exceptions for okay so these are muslim majority countries and then you make exceptions for it, it's a ban with exceptions for christianity and any other minority religion in the country which all these countries okay. are majority muslim so therefore they all are majority muslim so, right that's so, what i'm saying so it's not a, it's not a, okay so you don't want to call it a muslim ban but you're banning everyone but Muslims. I mean, you're banning, I mean, you're banning I mean, only Muslims. Exactly. So you're letting because you're making the exception for everyone other than Muslims, which is unconstitutional. Yes, yes. And that's where he gets in trouble with it. Well, as he should. He should. Yes. That's why yeah. we, we have laws and yeah. for now until he gets rid of them. Well, I'm. I'm <laughs> I was going to point out later on that uh, you know. The you know the doomsday clock thing, which I think is all bullshit. But I have my own little private clock, and it's called the the countdown to theocracy. Yeah. In this country, and it's uh, we're about three minutes to midnight on my by my calculation <laughs> on that one. You know, it won't be Sharia law; it'll be the Ten Commandments as law. So you know, I wasn't really surprised that he did something like this. I was surprised how fast he did it. 
and the way they kind of went about it. Right. I think he kind of caught a lot of people by surprise, but you know, when he did it, um, then obviously they didn't, it seemed like they didn't really communicate with any other branch of, of the government. They didn't really communicate with, with airports or how they're going to run through, you know, run security. They didn't go through any of that. Right. They just kind of announced it and then everyone's got to deal with it. So it created mass chaos everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Well, and of course, once the public found out about it, then you get now, you know, compound that issue at the airports with protesters protesting the the ban. Which, yeah. right? I mean, rightfully so. But I personally think he did that on purpose. I think he he wanted he knew there would be protests, and if you allow the protesters to create even more congestion and problems at the airport, you would hope it backfired. It would hope they and and to think it's to some degree it did at least among his his people. I've seen posts of people you know pointing out how it was really all the it was all the protesters who were holding up the 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 flights yes when really i don't even think any of them were even protesting within the airport so it was all on the outside anyway it was all on the outside i did see where um some people had to walk a couple of miles to get to the lax but oh i'm sorry yeah you gotta walk miles in the airport anyway yeah you know but again that doesn't you know the right to assemble should never be no. peacefully assembled. Should never be hampered. And I know there's there's another video going around on, on social media that I saw this morning of a guy in Iraq. Basically, um, I don't know what he he says he's in the military over there. I don't know what he's doing, but he's talking about what he's saying is that he he was having a conversation with some Iraqis, and they were kept going back and forth on the ban. And he said, okay, well, here, let me ask you a question. If I walked out in to the, you know, to the town here, what would happen to me? And they said, oh, well, you know, within an hour you'll be kidnapped, you know, tortured and beheaded. And he's like, look, these aren't the people in town here. These aren't, this isn't ISIS. This isn't Al Qaeda. These are just the people in the town. He goes, so I told them, um, you know, if, if that's the way you guys would treat me here, why would I want you in my country? And I see a lot of people from the right and the left saying, "Oh yeah, it's a really good, you know, it's a really good argument," which is it's 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 a straw man argument because thousands of Iraqi refugees have come to the United States and assimilated just fine. We've had two people in the past what twelve years or so. When did the when did the war start? Two thousand two. Was it two in our in Iraq? Yeah, it was in two thousand two. So it's been March, fifteen I believe. years. Yeah. So two people in the past fifteen years that we've caught that plotting. we've caught plotting something. Right. So how can you say, well, since I can't assimilate in Iraq, they shouldn't be able to assimilate here in the United States? Well, you know, and, and and here's the difference that that, that isn't being pointed out. Um, these are these are Muslim countries. Muslim law. These, I shouldn't even point out Muslim. They are theocracies. They are countries that are run by their respective religion, yeah. which happens to be Islam. Um, and in Islam, it, it, if it, depending on which edict you follow, because I don't want to lump everybody together. Yeah. Um, no lumping. Well, we'll get to that too. But <laughs> uh, you don't want to lump them all together. However, there are very distinct sayings within the Quran about how non-Muslims should be treated. Which there is in most religions. Christianity is a little bit more vague on how non-Christians should be but treated. 
And, of course, he, he, and, I, and, and that's come from me, you know, someone uh, who is uh, a Christian, you right? Know, I, uh, yeah, and I mean, not not being one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to point out all the all the the uh, evils in the Bible as well, but uh, right now we're talking about Islam. So my point is, is now I'm not I'm not I'm not condemning Islam. I'm just pointing out that. His, as you said, it's a straw man argument because he is in a country that is ruled by the Quran. Yes. So therefore, his his and rights are not the same. No, as, and, it's, and it's not even a modern country ran by the Quran. It's a you know a country from the Middle Ages, basically. Well, Islam is it, it, well, it holds not, its I'm, all of I'm, its people back to the well, Middle I'm Ages. Not about, I'm not talking about the religion. I'm talking about just the country itself, the way it's structured, the way the people, the society, are, the society, society itself is. Itself. Okay, you know, it's it's centuries behind right. where we are now. Right. Which I blame the Quran for, by the way. That's all I was pointing out. You eliminate the Quran, the floor rises. Technology takes yeah. over. Yes. You can well, have- no. This is this is an actually not to get off topic, but this is an this is a fact. You give women full reproductive rights and control you give them the same opportunities as men and the floor in the country will rise yes. automatically islam thinks women are not, aren't even human yeah. so that's my point of course these countries are i wouldn't say they don't think they're human but according to the quran they're not they're not the same as they're men not, they're not on the same the same level well man is the standard for humanity yes. and and women are not yes. so not to digress but that's that that is that is a truth. <laughs> so, but you know, so yesterday, on today's what Saturday. So on Friday, a federal judge overturned the ban. The ban, uh, rightfully so. The president, a couple hours ago, um, said on his, uh, I guess on his Twitter account, that they're going to fight the ban. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. You know, hopefully, it's going to be a lot of legal legal. It is, and hurdles. it'll probably end up in the Supreme Court. But just just on a side note. Um, how many actual lawsuits have been filed against President Trump since he became president? I don't know. Uh, I saw some weird number. I don't remember the exact number, but it's like in the five to six times what, uh, well, for example, uh, Clinton had been uh, sued five times in the same amount of time. Same yeah. with Obama. Bush four times in the same amount of time. And this was the chart had yeah, Trump but, in like the 30s, I want to yeah, say. But, but- what are the lawsuits for? I know he's got the lawsuit for the Trump University and some other stuff well, this going is, on outside of the presidency. I wonder. See, yeah. see, I assumed. I assumed. I guess I shouldn't. Uh, I should point that out. I did assume based on the the chart I saw that there was uh, lawsuits against him as president based on his actions. Yeah. Same as you know, challenging executive orders, whatever. Yeah, you know, but numbers those those statistics can be yeah. skewed, right? You know. Okay, so if there were thirty, were well, were I, ten of them for the same thing? I just you know? and I was trying to look up my list that I had worked off of for the um, executive orders. There was a, a headline, and I, I read it, uh, and it was it was on CNN, and it was an attorney. And he says it, the quote was roughly, "I don't get out of bed every morning trying to find a way to sue Trump, but I'm already up to three separate lawsuits against him." Let's say what they're for. No, I didn't read the. I didn't read the whole article. I mean, kind of interesting, um, you know. So it, this is this is going to be an ongoing thing. So we'll see where we'll see where it goes. Um, I honestly, I think that's that is going to be one of the main main cruxes of his entire presidency. Well, yeah. The other thing I didn't like, what you know, so 
over the course of the past 24 hours, he's really gone after that federal judge mm-hmm. also. So we'll see. You can see how thin skin Is there a precedent for that, too, as far as presidents go? No, but there is a precedent with him. Well, yes, I know, judges, going so. after judges. But, um, but you, have, you have to try. I'm trying desperately to separate the I, I don't think I don't think Trump, Donald Trump the candidate and Donald Trump the president I don't think Donald Trump understands that there's three branches of government and how they all work together. I don't think he understands how the government works I at think, all I think he I think he sees being president as kind of a mini king well kind of well yeah I was gonna say CEO of his business okay, you know, well. when you're when you're the CEO you know you have your shareholders to answer to that's about it you can basically do whatever you want to I think that's the way he thinks he can run the country. And his, but in, in, in Trump's America, who are the who are the, who's the board? Who is he answering to? I'm not seeing him answering to anybody yet. He will in, I guess he'll answer to him in four years. Well, that's us. Yeah, the voters. Um, but he has. There has to be. There. Please tell me there's going to be accountability before that. Some some level of checks and balances on this guy. Um, you know, I guess it's going to have to come from the courts. Because Congress hasn't shown that they're going to rein in any of it. Right. At least so far. Well, they're benefiting from a lot of it. Yeah. You know, just to a lot, to a large extent. Yep. Um, okay. Let's move on. I'm getting depressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so two days after he did the Muslim ban, he put in, it was a organization of the National Security Council and the Homeland Security Council. Which I think, it wasn't an executive order, it was a memorandum, but I think it's going to have at least a much larger impact over the rest of his term in office. Because um, basically what it is, it, it elevated his chief uh, strategist, Steve, Steve, Bannon. Steve Bannon, to full membership on the National Security Council and downgraded uh, the, the role, rest of the, the... Well, not the rest, but it downgraded the National... Uh, National Intelligence Director, and it downgraded the chairman of the Joint Chiefs to basically, you know, they're an option. They don't have to be there when the uh, Security Council and the Homeland Security Council meet to make decisions. Clarify for me real quick. As I understood it, the president, the Uh commander-in-chief, his his primary job is the head of the military. That is his primary job. Um, As far as... The, the checks and balances go there. Right below him would be the Joint Chiefs of Staff, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, so has Trump then, by doing this, now completely circumvented an entire military branch? No, I wouldn't say he circumvented it, but it, it's interesting that, you know, you've so you've got the your National Security Council, but you're not going to have the director of the National Intelligence Agency there, when you make decisions, you're going to have, you know, the former editor for Breitbart. Well, founder of Breitbart, too. I mean, let's well, give him credit for, for finding find, well, that he didn't, wonderful organization. Yeah, well. I say sarcastically, just in case anyone didn't notice. Um, he was also a producer or had some kind of financial stake in Seinfeld, because that's where he made all of his money. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he got all of his money from Seinfeld. Huh. For the show. Well, um, what was the show about know. nothing? It was a show about nothing. <laughs> it was a show run by, well, focusing primarily on on a lot of Jews, and he didn't really like, he doesn't like Jews, but they made him very rich. A, a lot of the stuff that came out of Breitbart while he was running it was, you know, 
I wouldn't say blatantly anti-Semitic, but it seemed to have an anti-Semitic overtone to it. Wasn't he quoted as saying he didn't want his children to go to a specific school because there were too many Jewish children yes, there? Something, something. That's, along it's pretty those lines. blatantly anti-Semitic to me. Yes. Well, I mean, but I mean, that's him saying something. I'm talking about the actual, actual publication. The actual publication. Um, I've know. never read it. I uh, I don't know if I could stomach that. I'm sorry. Um, because it's not just the anti-Semitic elements I, I, of it. There's there's white supremacy elements of it. There are, there is. Um, not to mention just consider you know the the extreme right, of which I am not a part of. So I I just it, when I say I say extreme right, yeah. I try, I try to read some of that stuff. I'll try to go on Breitbart and read some of the stuff on their website. I'll try to go on sites like Hot Air and some of the other right wing, very right wing, right wing. Uh, news you know i guess you want to call them news sources but you know just because i try to see i try to play devil's advocate so i guess i have to understand well i guess i've done that too i've uh um for shits and giggles i I watch alex jones from time to time well that's Um, a little different well no because he has now has a press corps pass well yeah because they said they want people other than the standard you know regular press to be able to yeah, they don't want the press because this isn't press. No, Alex Jones is not a journalist. No, not at all. Um, I wouldn't even consider him a commentator, to be honest with you. But so yeah, you know, I think that I think that memorandum is going to have, like I said, a much lar- larger, long-term impact. Just because I question, I question where Steve Bannon is going. I, I question his motives. I question. What he wants to well, do. Well, let's let's question his experience. Well, he's not also. a. It, it was he's, he, not, he's not military. I, I don't think he was at all. So, so you're, so you're going to take away the two. You're, you're taking away the two best military minds, basically, out of your out of your decision making process, and putting in wow. and putting in a newsman, fake newsman. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our president. You know, so, and. There, you know, there's been there's been a lot of other questionable things he's done. You know, the what was it uh, yesterday? They did the uh, where they're basically going to review the fiduciary rule uh-huh. in, uh, in Dodd Frank, which I thought it was a good idea to have. So, if you have somebody running your retirement account. I thought it was a good idea that they'd oh, that they'd have to work in your best interest. It would seem so, but, but the very the very wording of this eliminates. Do you that. have Do you have the wording I, of it? Uh, well, my shorthand of the of the wording um, limits regulation that requires retirement advisors to work on in the best interest of their clients. Now, I did point out that this is a review. Yeah, the executive they're, they're order not, is to review but, these regulations. So what they did was was the. The Trump administration has their core principles, basically, is what they're calling it. So they're saying, okay, look, so you're going to review this fiduciary rule. If it doesn't meet our core principles, then you have to get rid of it. Now, is there any specification as to what those core principles are? Um, It's a good question. I don't know. Now, are are, are we talking actual economic, government economic core principles that might just be kind of right or left, or are we talking about Donald Trump, CEO of a, of a giant corporation, 
looking at the retirement funds of his his employees and wanting to eliminate having to actually pay out retirement funds because now his the advisors could on his behalf rather than on the behalf of the actual retirees make things so that they don't get anywhere near what they're entitled to. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not really sure, you know, it's once again it's kind of vague. It's vague, but it this this one I mean not so much not more than the Muslim ban, but this one scares me a lot. Well, because it has the potential of leading to another banking crisis. Exactly. And it and it does and it halts temporarily again for review as you said elements of Dodd-Frank which was a consumer well, I didn't, protection I, I didn't bill. I didn't think it was halting anything. It, I, the, those I wrote those down shorthand but it, those words were expressly really? used. Halts elements of Dodd-Frank for review. Well, I know that a lot of it a lot of it's been blocked. Since it was enacted in what two thousand eight? Oh, I don't know the year on that one. I don't remember the year on that one. So a lot of it's been a lot of the aspects of Dodd Frank has been blocked since it was enacted anyway. Okay. Um, I know there are a lot of consumer protection issues in there, specifically devoted to whether pre- preventing another crash like two thousand eight, yeah, or at the very least protecting us, the people, rather more so than protecting the corporations or the banks yeah but i I know so i know some of the rules were supposed to go into effect later this year i think some of it was so i maybe maybe that's what they're going to try to put a hold on okay um i'm I'm not really sure now it seems to me like a like a, a presidential candidate who ran on taking care of the little guy this this and this is why it scares me the most because that was that was his platform. Make America great again for everyone. This is this is blatant to me. This is blatantly a, a pro corporate, a pro corporate executive pro, pro, order. Pro Wall Street. Pro, pro Wall Street. Yes. So how do yeah exactly how does that help me? Well, and it's it not doesn't. even about me. I'm talking about based solely on Trump's platform, what he ran on, yeah, and what essentially got him elected. As you pointed out, he was—he's not a career politician. People like that, but he—he he ran his entire campaign on getting government back into the hands of the little the, guy. The normal and this, out there. This completely destroyed, or could potentially completely destroy, any protection that anyone, other than extreme millionaires, it doesn't protect any of us. No, no it, it is essentially a one percent. And actually, if you, if, you, if you look at it. Even the it, there's no protection for the millionaires either, because there's going to be, um, you know the if they get rid of the fiduciary rule, if you're a hedge fund manager, that means the guy overseeing your accounts doesn't have to work in your best interest either. True. So and that's why it has it could have a severe global impact. I mean, it, you could cause another global banking crisis over it. Or well, worse. I would I would imagine it would be worse than what we dealt with in two thousand eight. Theoretically, sure. theoretically, it could because yeah. that was just a, I mean primarily a housing bubble. But it's still a mortgage affected, bubble. It's mortgage still bubble. it's still affected banking worldwide. Though. Well, of course, because it was you know because they were selling it was junk, mortgages. Yeah, they yeah. were selling junk mortgages across the globe. Well, I guess yeah, I guess in in direct correlation, it would be the same thing with the retirement funds because they're all they're all publicly yeah. traded essentially. Exa- yeah, essentially privatized or whatever 
<laughs> but that's the one that scares me the most out of everything I've seen thus far. Um, well, that and, I mean, his rhetoric towards Iran. Uh, yeah. But just focusing solely on, on his orders and things of that nature. This one scares me the most because no matter what he does, it's like we're pointing out that this could eventually lead to another collapse. And it will be worse. We there's, I mean, we haven't rec- totally recovered from the last one. No, and not a hundred percent. We really haven't put anything in place to really stop. Well, and, and this is just going against. This is going to change to, to Any, reversing anything we've anything done to fix done. or yeah. prevent in the future. You know, um, I guess, I guess to kind of wrap it all up, you know, the the issues I have is well, one of the issues I have is you know the. The right has spent the past eight years talking about how President Obama was acting as a king, writing the, all these executive orders, and then Trump has come in and, and in two weeks and, and you know done the same thing on steroids. Yeah, and you hear nothing about it. Well, I even like the way he shows it. Every time he shows, he signs when he shows it to the camera. Yeah, I mean they're they're like um, royal decrees more yes. than than executive orders. Yes. Um, and I and I do believe he and somewhere in his in his conscience he he truly believes that. Yeah. Um, whether or not he's working to that end, I don't know if he's even smart enough to do that. Yeah. But is that possible? Do you think he could he could be setting this up? I mean, we've shown how he he said say if, if he lost the election he was going to fight it. Yeah. I mean, so what's to say that as president? He couldn't put things into 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 effect to if say he loses in four years. Yeah. He'll still be president from November, whatever, to January twentieth. Yep. What's to say he doesn't say I'm not leaving? Well, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that's going to be able to stop him from stop us from making him yeah, leave. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of executive orders he could pass, and a lot of laws that could be passed in the meantime. Laws? Yeah, he can't really pass any executive orders that keep him in office. No, I suppose he couldn't. But yeah, I don't know. It's it, I, I'm I'm not more terrified than I was two weeks ago. I am. <laughs> I know you are. I'm not more because my my expectations of of yeah, him as a yeah, president you know, I are. Had, I had hope that. The crazy stuff he had said over the past two years would be subdued. Would be subdued, and he would. Okay, you know, I was hoping that he was saying all this stuff to get elected, which he even said he and, was. And that, you know, once he got in office, he would be more moderate. Look, I have no problem with a Republican being president. I, you know, it's painful, but you're right. I mean, it's, I, it's an I, inevitability. Yeah, it is. It, you know, so I don't have an issue with that. I have an issue with, you know, extreme. You know, with a lot of these extreme policies that he wants to put in place. Right. So, you know, I ho- I was hoping that he wouldn't do a lot of that stuff, that he would be more moderate. But it doesn't look like that's the way it's going to no. go. So, you know, I guess we're left with the fighting the re- as the resistance. It's Well, yeah, I, I liked your idea um, about Trump being, you know, having a very strong presence on, fa- on Twitter. Be, be nice, but... Yeah, there's you know, nothing wrong with saying what you think yeah, to him I, you know, directly. I think, I to think him. everyone out there, I think everyone that was in the women's march, anyone that's done a you know part, participated in any kind of peaceful protest over the past two weeks, you know, if he wants to be the Twitter president, I think everyone needs to be on Twitter every single day, letting him know that we're here and we're going to resist him. Right. 
politely. Politely, yeah. We don't want to have any. There's no. Well, he's just we're not he's, trying to incite any kind of violence or anything. Well, I'm like not that. even talking he, about that. He he's good at manipulating. Yeah. He will manipulate. He'll take only the bad, bad tweets, and use it against the the movement. Yeah. I mean, if you want to call well, it, you know, it's I, not really a movement. But I figure, you know, so I've been trying to tweet him every day something, and uh, obviously I'm not doing it through. I'm not doing it through the podcast Twitter account. I'm doing it through my through own private. Tweet. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. I figure after a while he'll probably just block me. So well, yeah. <laughs> then, then, then you know, then there's always you know a new Twitter account. Yeah, know? sure. Why not? What the hell? I mean, I mean, there's it's really no different. I mean, he has. I was going to point out he he closed down uh, all the the phone when you know we all have a, as citizens have a right to call the White House. Yes. Um, and express our views. They shut down. They the shut line. down the the common line and shifted it to a to basically a dead voicemail account. Yes. So it's obvious that he's not really willing and to listen. Not, and to, it's not just him. Well, a lot of the stuff I've been reading is, you know, people calling into their senators and congressmen have not been able to get through. Now, so, are these um, all senators or are they in congressmen or are this specifically Republican? I think it's been specifically Republicans. Well, so. I don't know. We'll see how it all goes. Yeah. Just obviously, just, this won't be the, the only, no. This the only, this, this is, won't be the only time we'll be talking about uh, this. This is the only the beginning. Um, yeah, so I keep seeing all this. You know, Trump's one hundred first one hundred days. As I've been pointing out, first fifteen days. It, it, again, I'm not scared. It's not scaring me any more than I was slightly terrified to begin with. Yeah. My my expectations of his presidency were that he would either be completely ineffectual or be, you know. The last president, and I'm I'm hoping for something in between, at the very least, at this point. But uh, yeah, my expectations have not changed. I'm I'm still expecting nothing but bad things from him. Yeah, you know, maybe with a few you know decent things peppered in somewhere. Hopefully, hopefully more of the good, you know, the positive stuff happens. But we'll see. I don't know. Let's. Uh, I guess we should probably end it there. Okay. We 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 could drag this conversation we, on we, forever. We could. Well, we could talk about it literally nonstop for the next four years, um, or at the very least, the next two years until the midterms. So yeah, like I said, beginning, you know, we wanted to do something a little more positive, not beat this episode, but we felt you know, we had to do something okay. on, on all that. So we're gonna we'll we'll try to be back. Hey, I, I'm very proud of myself. I didn't drop one single f bomb this time. Oh, you didn't. That was pretty good. I know. I'm, maybe, I, maybe we won't get an explicit tag this time. Well, you know, there's always next time. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we're gonna try to be back. Uh, hopefully midweek with something non political. Um, that's the goal. That's the goal at least. So, yeah. um, like always, I'd say you know, follow us on on Facebook at uh, Life in General Podcast. Uh, if you got questions, comments, um, you know, if you feel there's something we should talk about, go ahead and email us at lifeingeneralmi at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, lifeingeneralmi. Um, anything else? No, really. It, um, anything that you that, we, that you want us to talk about? Also, any, if you feel have a thought on how we talk about things, too, yeah. you know, well, let us know. We're yeah. Go ahead and... Uh, Subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music. Uh, we're on archive.org. We're on Stitcher, Podcast Attic. Uh, um, podcast Republic as well, I found yeah, the other okay. day. We're on, we're on that also. So we're on a lot of different things. So go ahead and follow us and download the podcast. And go ahead and 
go on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review. I know that uh, reviews on iTunes at least bring you up their, you know, their rankings or whatever it is. So it's mm-hmm. a lot easier for people to find your show. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Until right. next time. Until next time. Peace out.